Welcome to the Leadership in Context podcast with Keith Tusi. Covenant people don't see people as something you can throw away. Instead, they seek people out. Hi, this is Keith Tusi, and welcome to Leadership in Context. I want to continue to talk to you about the subject of what does covenant look like. This is our fifth podcast on this. And uh, I did a full-length message at our Band of Brothers conference several weeks ago, and you can access that online at nrpastors.com. Uh, I want to go to 2 Samuel 9, verses 1 through 4, and read those to you. It said, Then David said, Is there yet anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba, and they called to him to David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. The king said, Is there not yet anyone of the house of Saul to whom I may show kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is crippled in his feet. So the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Makar, the son of Amiel of law Debar. Now, I'd covered in our last podcast the whole issue about David recognizing Saul, even though Saul had been vicious, and you could certainly say even wicked to him, he still paid honor to Saul, at least from the base understanding that his great covenant friend Jonathan would not have existed without Saul, and so you can't have a, uh, a cancel culture. Now, here's the point I want to make. Covenant people seek people out. In my life, I've had key friends that, you know, you drift apart or you fall apart or something goes wrong. It's not a moral issue, maybe a difference of opinion. You know, uh, Paul and Barnabas had one of those. Remember that in the Bible? And, you know, those things happen. And, you know, my life has really been strengthened and I've had a great model by some of those men reaching out to me. And in turn, I've been able to do that to other people too. In other words, determining, look, this person is supposed to be part of my life. It would make the Lord happy, uh, not just that we forgave each other, but we understand that we've been called to work together and expand the kingdom together. So covenant people, one of their marks is uh, people are not throwaway people to them. They seek people out. Now, if you take your time and read this passage uh, slowly, you'll see that this guy that David calls the Zeba, he's not going to volunteer any information whatsoever. You know, I've been in court a few times in my life for pro-life things and had lawsuits and everything. And a good lawyer will prep you for a deposition or the witness stand, and they'll tell you, do not answer more than you're asked. If somebody says, you know, were you and Joe over there? You don't say, yeah, me, Joe, and Bob were over there. You just say, yes, me and Joe were over there. In other words, you don't want to feed them information because you don't trust their motivation and what they're trying to accomplish. So David calls Zeba in and he says, is there anybody, you know, alive in the house of Saul? And, you know, Zeba says, uh, yeah, 
<laughs> but he doesn't give him any more information than that. You know, there's there's a thing that happens on the street. You know, I got I was raised on the street as a young man, and I've been in street settings as a minister of the gospel. And you know, one of the things you don't do is if you're walking down the street and you know somebody who you don't know calls out to you like, "Hey, man," or "What are you doing?" You don't turn around and give an explanation. You, you just keep rolling. You kind of pretend like you didn't even hear them. And so, uh, to some degree, you know, that's what's happening here a little bit. And David says that I may show kindness to him, but here's the truth. You know, in this, in this culture, in this time, you know, if there was a, uh, uh, an heir apparent to the throne, everybody else was dead. But if Jonathan had a son and he did, then Hey, he would be the guy, and most kings would take that guy out. So Ziba answers the king truthfully, but he doesn't volunteer any more information. And the, and he he asks Ziba, "Are you are you a serv Are you a servant?" He says, "Yes." He says, "Is there anyone from the house of Saul again, the house of Saul, whom I can show the kindness of God?" And Ziba said to the king, "There is still a Jon- son of Jonathan who is crippled in both feet." He just gives him, you know, the basic answer, yes. So the king said to him, where is he? Okay, so, you know, uh, Zeba didn't say, oh, yeah, his name is Meshibaseph, and he was five years old, and he's crippled, and he's about 20 years old now, and he's down the road hanging out with Makar. Just thought I'd let you know all that. No, you know, David's got to ask a series of questions to get the right answers out of this guy, you know. But, but I really like this guy that comes up in the scripture here. His name is Makar, and he is where uh, Moshibaseth is hiding out. He has taken him in. Now, I never paid a lot of attention to this guy, and then I was reading one day, and it just really caught me. I thought, who is this guy that would take in a dead monarch's son who is crippled, who could not provide for himself, who's lost all his inheritance, who is the guy that would take him in and risk everything he has to do that? Uh, I like that guy, okay? I think that's like an incredible guy that would do that. And, you know, there's a pattern in Scripture of people that hid people. You know, uh, Jehosha hid Joash from Attila for six years. Uh, you know, there was that lady who is not named who hid David's spies from Absalom's death squad that were searching them out. And then, of course, Obadiah, maybe the most famous one we think about, you know, he hid the prophets from uh, Jezebel. And what we've got to understand is that in the scripture, uh, there is a blessing on the on the man who hides the innocent uh, from the vengeful. You know, I was taught this that there's a difference between lying and not bearing false witness. We think they're the same thing. Okay, a lie is an outright distortion of facts, obvious, but not bearing false witness is understanding what's being asked. So if you were living in Germany and they knocked on your door and said, are there any Jews here? 
even if there were Jews there, you would say no, because really what they were saying, is there any Jews here we can have? And of course, the answer is no. That's a truthful answer before God. No, there are no Jews here that you can have. So understanding the difference between facts and truth and lying versus not bearing false witness, I think it's one of those subjects that no one kind of dives into today, but we really get to understand. You know, the truth is there may be a day, there may be a time where we as believers have got to protect other people. You know, I've been arrested in other countries. I've seen what other believers go through. And uh, thank the Lord for believers that understand it's not only the right thing to do to protect somebody, it's the truthful thing to do. It's the covenant thing to do because covenant people seek people out uh, and they seek people out that they might really bless them and they might really do something for them, that they might honor them. Are we that type of people today that would risk ourselves, that would risk our reputation, that would risk our goods, that would risk our home? You got to remember, you know, we we look at the Jewish Holocaust and wonder how did it happen? How did they round all those Jews up? Well, how did they round up? People turned them over and they turned them over because of the threat that they would lose their, their land, that they would lose their freedom, that they would lose their property. And unfortunately, what you've got to understand is many Jews turned over many Jews. There were Jews that turned over their brothers, just like in the slave trade. I I think it's a lost understanding, unfortunately, that the greatest slave traders were themselves Africans, that they would capture their fellow Africans and they would and they would turn them over. That that that's a travesty. They should have protected them. They should have not used the excuse of their own life being threatened, which many of them did, or the treasure they made as a result of it. But this is really, this really hits home uh, because, you know, they were definitely afraid that this king, David, uh, could legitimately take out any heir to the throne. Uh, nobody at that time would have winked at it. And of course, when he does call Meshibosheth and, and uh, ask him to come see him, Here's what David says in verse 7 of that same chapter. David said to him, Do not fear, for I will surely show kindness to you for the sake of your father Jonathan, and will restore to you all the land of your grandfather Saul. Isn't that not amazing? That again he recognizes Saul, that I will restore that land to you, and you shall eat at my table regularly from here on out. And so for the rest of Mesibosheth's life, David took care of him and honored him and watched over them and protected him. And uh, even though when there was a little bit of dispute that happened later on with Ziba and uh, Mesibosheth, he still honored them and took care of both of them, actually. So I, I just want to say to you that covenant people seek people out. Is there somebody in your life that has sought you out? I bet you there has been. Somebody that really could have just wrote you off, walked away, forgot about you, but just reached out to you. Is there somebody that really should be in your life that maybe you've got offended with or, you know, they did something that you didn't like or uh, maybe hurt your feelings in some way or didn't, you know, give you honor or uh, the right response? Well, hey, what could it be? It happens in life. But maybe tonight you need just to reach out to that person. See where the grace of God takes you in that situation. I challenge you just to be obedient to the Holy Spirit right now on that issue. This is Keith Tusi for Leadership in Context. 
hey, do something for me, would you? Share this podcast with somebody, and I think it will be a blessing to them. Blessings. Today, Keith continued his discussion on what covenant looks like. Covenant people go beyond. Covenant people sense an obligation to the third party. Covenant people are concerned about justice and righteousness. Covenant people understand honor, even when they have been hurt. And covenant people seek people out. Thanks for listening this week to another episode of Leadership in Context with Keith Tusi. Join us next week as Keith continues to put leadership truths in the context of the local church. As always, subscribe, like, rate, and share our podcast. For show notes or to ask Keith a question, email podcast at innerpastors.com. If you would like more information, you can check out our website, find us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram at innerpastors. See you next week.